bitch is bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Erica. So from the top, we'll just like to remind you that we have merch on Redbubble. We are also on um, most social media. You can hit us up there. Yeah. Please do support us and our work on Patreon, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. And as always, you can read our column weekly on Wednesdays in the Hill Times. And if you're not a subscriber, all of our columns are on our website, badandbitchy.com. So let's get into it for misogynist of the week. Our misogynist of the week this week is, uh, well, frankly, the BBC. I guess you probably didn't see this one coming. Uh, As it turns out, BBC is uh, sexist, racist, uh, and here it goes. It all turns back to uh, when Trump famously tweeted should go back to the totally broken and crime-infested places which they came from to use his words. All four of those congresswomen were women of color. They were U.S. citizens. Only congresswoman Ilan Omar was born overseas. We've heard us talk about that before. None of it really matters. Uh, the comment itself is racist on its face. And there was a widespread criticism of it everywhere. On BBC, the host uh, of BBC on June, uh, sorry, July 17, 2019, Dan Walker, uh, was hosting a segment, commented uh, that a woman had shared a similar experience of being told to go home and that he found the remark telling. He, men had not been told uh, that to the man sitting in the Oval Office. And so he, the, the male co-host is giving this commentary, really engaging and giving his own personal take. And he turns to his co-holder to, quote unquote, go back to where I came from. And she added, that was not that was embedded in racism. Now, I'm not accusing anyone of anything here, but you know what a certain phrase means. We'll be feeling absolutely furious. A man in that position thinks it's okay to skirt the lines by using language like that. So those were Minchetti's uh, remarks, and that's what got her into trouble by making those remarks. Uh, specifically, they said that the guidelines that journalists have to follow and giving and not being allowed to give personal opinions um, as about individuals' remarks or the motives for doing it. And it was for that reason that the complainant had uh, the complaint was upheld and. Uh, you know, there are they had to clarify and come back and clarify the the findings of that report by saying, um, you know, they appreciate that, you know, she has her own experiences with racism. And this is after the BBC got all this backlash. There's a letter in The Guardian from a large number of uh black commentators and and journalists of color um, and broadcasters uh, written to address to the BBC. It's published in The Guardian and sets out that background that people of color who work in media and broadcasting in the UK strongly condemn this finding and assert that it amounts to both a misunderstanding of the editorial guidelines, but it is also a form of racial discrimination. Um, and so it is keeping it, they argue it's, it is in keeping with the guidelines. And to suggest that a journalist can talk about her own experience of racism while withholding a critique of the author of the racism. And this, um, but, you know, there are a number of, of these types of things that happen on the BBC. They happen on our airways as well, um, where you have these kind of um, 
require and and a discriminatory um, impact on people who experience racism and experience things differently. And they're read from this neutral perspective. It's also important to point out that there are other journalists on at at the BBC, including Nick Bryant, who directly referred to Trump's tweets as being racist. He called them racist, um, but he didn't face any consequences. So there's definitely a discriminatory application. So on a broad point, um, this is happening in newsrooms all over Britain, America, Canada. To be honest, I you know, <laughs> I just have so many ways I could talk about this. They seem to be caught up in this idea that somehow racism, white supremacy, and fascism are just some sort of valid opinion and treat it as that, mm-hmm. and therefore validate opinions on racism. <laughs> This is a public institution we're talking about here. Not, not that it would be better or private, but the point is, is that racialized people's tax, do- tax dollars go towards the BBC through the TV license. And so what the CBC, mm-hmm. you end up subsidizing your own fucking discrimination. Think about that shit. What I find really, really interesting about this is, as you say, the discriminatory ways in which these laws are how people of color, racialized people, especially black people, are policed in the workplace more so than and than than white people are. So a white guy can say exactly the same thing and be mm-hmm. fine and black woman will be reprimanded and disciplined yet another way that it works out to be economically discriminatory too. Mm -hmm. So there's so many like tentacles to this. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing too is I I don't know what the BBC is thinking and whether or not they didn't think, I I don't know who thought this would fly, but institutions usually don't think about these things. Um, I think, uh, you know, you look at the BBC, it's, there are a lot of racialized people on air on the BBC, reporting, et cetera, et cetera. It is very diverse on set. It just goes to show that that don't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything unless you have not only the policies, but the application of those policies to back it up. And we've seen that, especially with Jody Mm Wilson-Raybould and the Prime Minister, it's the same thing, right? They always want us to be their racial mannequins, to prop up their window dressing, to prop up their marketing, to prop up their advertising. But when it comes right down to it, they give us a job, they think that we should be thankful, shut the fuck up, and just do what we're told. Right. Um, And yeah, I mean, this idea of neutrality... Um, so when you have a woman of color, like, That's I mean, a trap. I feel like the person who the co-host who asked her her personal view should have been the one reprimanded if that's yeah. the guideline. Yeah. Um, the idea that you have, you know, that there is an inherent bias too in the fact that you're a racialized person yes. giving your opinion. It's yes. always something that comes yes. up. Um, you hear, you know, a lot of we're biased, not more informed. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's often used against out. you yes. in these is yes. in these ways. So for a woman so. like of a color, like her to have been asked that question i mean what other response could she have given and that neutrality is a privilege in and of itself because what it means is that you are not threatened by these by 
these trends. You are not threatened by these policies. It's all an intellectual exercise It's all for an you. intellectual exercise. You can afford to decide. Like, at the end of the day, that in itself is racially gross because it is a privilege that you don't have to worry about rising fascism. It's a privilege that you don't have to worry about gender-based violence. Privilege that you don't have to worry about asthma effects in your air. It's all a privilege. And so I think what we need to understand is that, number one, diversity is all just window dressing by another name because mm-hmm. all you want are black and brown faces to uphold your white supremacy and 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 your a structure that was never made for those people but a structure that was actually made to mm-hmm. disempower those people mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think of other examples where that happens um here where we get platforms to give into both one example from the cbc where they give platform to people and try to i mean really kind of dehumanize the the things that are at the core there is um an interview that amanda jet knox here and who's based here in ottawa she's an author who recently published a book loves lives love lives here about her family her partner is transgender her daughter's transgender she writes about her family from that perspective as a cis woman herself Oh, okay. and yeah uh she was on cbc her book had just come out she's on cbc ottawa doing an interview and she had been told um you know there'll be another parent during the interview with you they have a different experience than you and they want to talk about the sex ed curriculum to me it's just despicable um you know these are real people this isn't about ideology this isn't about debate this isn't an ex- intellectual exercise this is especially when you have someone who is talking about a book from a, a very nuanced you know nuanced and personal space um about this topic and then pitting them against the issue of the day the sex ed curriculum from the life you know coalition for life it's just so ignorant and so hurtful um and then not to give a choice to the person coming on on ottawa, uh, cbc ottawa that they wanted a heated debate because that is journalists take a neutral view all of that really is a is flawed thinking from the beginning because it it just reduces these ideas to all and everything is always having these two sides and frankly nothing has two sides everything has multiple sides so if that's your view already that's pretty fucked up but you know this and the view that debate has to always be things that are too diametrically opposed yeah yes exactly and 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 it just goes to show as as the more our issues in our society gets more complex. It just goes to show how inadequate that framing is for Mm -hmm. nearly every issue. Mm -hmm. And that actually taking an intersectional approach by definition means mm-hmm. that that framing is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the neutrality and the guidelines that yeah. are organization and st- what is- there's no neutrality, but they've been holding this up uh, and pro- mostly because journalists have been outsiders to, you know, I mean, even as a, in, I would say maybe not historically, but certainly for the last, you know, century, journalism and not for not places for folks from like lower socioeconomic communities to enter into it's it's a it's a space for 
an elite group of people to report almost as outsiders to what the, you know, plebes are out there doing. And it's always been a bit like voyeuristic. Yes. And yes. the guidelines and everything is always have always been written from a detached viewpoint um, rather than a viewpoint that actually incorporates the humanity of people doing the reporting and that's why you see much better writing and much better gra- like you know i mean even compare articles i i, re- I mean like I'm re- for example i'm really enjoying um the national observer for this reason yeah because they have um here in here in canada and they have journalists who are um more in touch with with activist communities with people with right. with low-income folks um they're not you know they're um funded by by contributors they're not a corporation they don't have right. not answering to this other sort of corporate you know this drive um, you know some of the best yeah. reporting this election has been fatima sayed who writes for the national observer yeah. and like her pieces are far more nuanced you even compare some of the coverage which we did a lot about on twitter with the equal voice issue with the equal equal voice had mistreated well, a number of their employees yeah and fatima's column in the National Observer was so detailed, so nuanced, yes. and she was able to get acts situation we're having and the women who were racialized and targeted are having and, and be able to dissect them. And then you read the National Post coverage and you read, well, yeah. mostly it was Canadian press and it was yeah. published everywhere in the same iteration. They're all, well, <clears throat> you know, just really reduced it to the statements from the company right. and trying to avoid as much uh, what may, you know, spark any semblance of a defamation issue yeah you know and and take very risk averse approach and then don't under you know can't understand on on the issue but they're just you know they're covering you know they're picking apart you know copying and pasting press releases essentially right I, i will also say that even whatever semblance of buzzfeed canada may be left um there is a difference in the topics they choose mm-hmm. to write about in depth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Buzz, uh, Vice and National Observer and to an extent Press Progress has been very good, has been, has been writing about white supremacy in Canada way before the star mm-hmm. even got there. Or much less the Alexandre you know, his, you know, that massacre. But um, what I find is that um, Canada really has suffered from a lack of good digital media um, because I don't, the establishment press, it has the capability to actually write about these issues, like you say, in this Mm -hmm. nuanced way, in this very careful and layered way. Mm -hmm. There's also, there's a lot of care that has to be taken when speaking about these issues too. Mm -hmm. And care goes beyond, uh, it goes beyond just your emotional reaction. It is in the language you choose to use. Um, and how that is going to shape the story. Or oh, you shape mean you see that with every headline CBC tweets? Yeah. They have to correct it constantly yeah. because they 
take the most or they minimize incidences as as incidences or tiffs or whatever when they were actually, you know, like, yeah. right? So. They don't seem to have a good sense of judgment. And I think that... No. I think that that is exactly what the mainstream press is missing is is a judgment that is brought on by experience. It is not and that's what I feel that's being robbed certain level of judgment mm-hmm. around how to write about these articles with care. Understand the language of the yes, parties involved. I know exactly. the people. I know how to vet sources because I know like, you know, I know what this group does and what it means and how right. people in this community, you know, what credibility they give it and whatever else and, you know, and I instead know of just taking positions. the press releases from the organizations you're used to taking the press releases from and plastering them as if their word has some value when maybe the communities that these organizations purport to represent actually don't have any stock in the group that you're now using as the mouthpiece for them. You That's know, like right. that and level I, of judgment doesn't yes. come from observers. It will only come from people who are actually, actually in, in those community. in those spaces, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when people are like, people... Um, white people want to be like, oh, da da da, Al Sharpton, and I'm like, what about Al Sharpton? I don't understand what your insult is. And they're like, oh, well, you know, what are you gonna do? Listen to Al Sharpton, and I'm just like, when is Al? What was the last time Al Sharpton spoke? It was when Pete Buttigieg went to Al Sharpton to say that he's going to the yes <laughs> I'm like ooh the 90s are back apparently because I can't ima- I I I don't know who would who would be a spokesperson for the black community because it's so fractured mm-hmm. in terms you are and Pete Buttigieg is like what 35 so it's not like it's not like Al Sharpton yeah, was so hot in his day yeah yeah if Biden said that I'd get it yeah <laughs> exactly okay Biden I can understand Biden okay? probably does know Al Sharpton he probably <laughs> does and so you know I find it just very interesting mm-hmm. especially and and it's 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 also interesting especially in the way the way money flows from mm-hmm. government to mm-hmm. to these social um, enterprises the communities are trying to reach mm-hmm. and what kind of vetting process they have to ensure that and I would I would guess that I would say none <laughs> and that the anyway so the BBC is uh, that's racist <laughs> and yes that's the BBC is obviously a racist organization because people guess what a racist is somebody who does racist things <laughs> yeah is this racist of the week i mean i don't know that like is also a woman and yeah. you know so there's something there and as well so as a woman of color experiencing that kind of discrimination i think that you know there's there's something about to the how difficult it is to get to those ranks right and and yes, in this me. way so Cameron hall <laughs> i remember when they shoved Tamron hall aside for megan kelly oh yeah anyway the point is is that it doesn't matter. It just goes to show that economics does not cure misogyny and it does not cure racism because this is a woman who is obviously in an economic bracket that is an influential one, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, because you get on BBC Breakfast Show, you're, you're, you're the anchor mm-hmm. and it's a good living. What I'm trying to say is that for all those progressives who think that, oh, well, if we just fix 
an economic structure and we implement um, we hire more people in senior yeah, ranks then yeah. suddenly then suddenly the culture will fine. change well no you have no. to look at the policies and exactly. how the how those things are applied and who are the decision makers behind this integrity who are the rules meant to protect and all of that so it's not enough to say we're giving promote and, and this is why people don't stay or they burn out or they leave or or all of these things that happen when women are promoted it's not like a panacea right, right. so there has to be something more to it and, and part of that and that's why i love the letter from uh the you know journalists of color who wrote to the bbc they they do recommend these types of changes mm-hmm. say you know it's not enough for us to be there if the systems aren't there to allow you know it's no different than other forms of, of tone policing respectability politics and all of these other things it's, this is just a very uh heightened happening on such a large scale with you know with bbc and with journalists well, I guess that uh, does it for us for misogynist slash racist of the week. <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> they usually are. And that's our intersectionality uh, approach there. Uh, so you'll hear us again next week with our regular weekly podcast on Tuesdays. And of course, misogynist of the week on Friday. Uh, thank you for listening and stay bitchy. Bye. Bye.